the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Sean Azaro, and you are listening to Reaching for Real Life. Hey, welcome to the Reaching for Real Life radio show and podcast with Pastor Sean Azaro, broadcasting from the Real Life Amphitheater. The Spirit is still here, Pastor Sean. Easter has come and gone, but every day is Easter. We celebrate. Yes, <laughs> Every sir? day is Easter because he's still risen. Amen. And that's, man, we got to remember that. It's not just a celebration. It is an understanding that changed our lives Hallelujah. and rocked our world. Preach it. Mm. <laughs> I think I will. <laughs> Get my good preaching on. Wow. There it is. Really, there it is. Okay. <laughs> Got to make sure to get that snare. <laughs> that's the best part to me. I, that's the highlight of the, of the end of the podcast. You never really hear that until the very, very right. end. Hey, Pastor Sean, uh, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Doing great. Kind of recovered from all the Easter stuff. We had a great weekend this last weekend and got some good stuff going on here. So we're, we're fired up. Amen, amen, amen. So much to talk about, a lot of the news here, but we've got a special conversation coming up here, Sean. What are we, we going to yeah, talk Yeah, we're going to talk with Dirk Smith, who is the uh, executive vice president of Eastern European Missions, and uh, they do an incredible work in Eastern Europe, which I think is this is a really timely conversation, especially because what's happening in Ukraine. And that's one of the major areas where they've ministered and seen incredible fruit, incredible results. So you don't want to miss that. It's going to be a great interview with Dirk Smith of EEM. And what's fascinating to me, Pastor Sean, if I can if I can just say this, is that where Ukraine is at today reminds us of the United States 200 years ago. Well, yeah, and and you're going to hear him talk about some of the things and some of the ways that their leadership just had a common sense and saw wherever the Bible was being taught and people were interacting with the Word of God, they saw behavior change, they saw grades changing, and so in a very pragmatic, not even an evangelistic way, they just said, well, let's do more of that. Mm. And so... To, to this day, you know, Dirk used the phrase in, in the interview that Ukraine's kind of the Bible belt of Eastern Europe. And, and, and that's true. Everything you read, there's so many believers there. And uh, obviously, we're, that's why they're in our prayers or, you know, they're, we're praying because of all the people who are displaced and all the stuff that Ukraine's going through. But it's a great interview. You, you won't want to miss that. Well, Sean, let's get right into it. A lot of a lot of big stories in the news we want to get to. One of the big ones here, it's kind of interesting. I, didn't, I haven't watched the stock lately on Twitter. <laughs> you're you're in Twitter. You've got an account. You're well, that's it. right. At Sean Azaro. Follow. <laughs> Give me a follow. At Sean Azaro on Twitter. Hey, while we're at it, reachingforreallife.org is the website here where all our podcasts are. So follow yep. this podcast on the Spotify and the iTunes and all that good stuff. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm a Twitter user myself. I enjoy the format. Yep. And then this Elon Musk guy comes along. And drops forty four billion dollars. Yes, yes, and he's destroying free speech for everybody. Yes, that guy. by by releasing free speech. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it, it's it's an amazing thing, and you know, you go, wow, why? What's the big deal? Why is everybody so volatile? Because you really realize, Twitter is uniquely powerful because you literally, in very brief mm-hmm. bites and chunks, everybody gets in on the conversation, and a lot of serious people use Twitter. And of course, in the last few years, what we've seen is people 
who say something that goes against what is largely a very far left orthodoxy, they're literally getting canceled and getting kicked off of Twitter or being suspended from Twitter. I mean, you saw the New York Post get their account shut down from Twitter because of the Hunter Biden laptop. Oh, yeah. thing, which now has all been verified. It was all true. It was it was not Russian disinformation. It was all true. But Twitter literally did that right before the 2020 election, which, of course, had a significant effect on the election. There was, you know, that was a relevant story that was suppressed. Mm. Um, you know, we saw through the COVID pandemic, doctors who disagreed with the popular orthodoxy, the government approved orthodoxy, if you will, of yep. Dr. Fauci and others like him, doctors who disagreed and there were a lot of really high level very well-known well-respected epidemiologists and virologists who disagreed they were kicked off of twitter for misinformation and it's like wait a minute they're an expert (laughs) you know how much more of an informed opinion can you get than a a guy from johns hopkins or a guy from uh, who teaches at harvard or oxford you know it's just like what the heck are we doing here Mm mm-hmm so do you predict that, uh, like, when, these, when someone says, oh, if this guy becomes president, I'm moving to Canada. Is there going to be a mass exodus out of How's your beverage, by the way? Did you get all that? <laughs> Frosty cold and refreshing. <laughs> the, the fountain of uh, Dr. Pepper is, uh, is joyful. Uh, no, what, what is your prediction? A mass exodus? Will people just say, ah, we're, you know. You know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if people do that. You know, they never move to Canada. but yeah. But deleting Twitter and or suspending your account on Twitter is much easier than moving to Canada, right? <laughs> so I, I don't know what people will do. I, I suspect I already am seeing lots of people jumping back on, people who had left who are like, I see some possibility here. I think the stock is going to go through the roof mm-hmm. and, you know, Elon Musk is going to make money on it either way. I think, I think he's going to, I think he's going to do well in that. And really what his proposed changes are is, yeah, I'm going to make the algorithms, I'm going to make them public. Mm-hmm. So you know what it is and how information is sorted or prioritized. He's going to really work hard to not let there be any suppression. He He's a free speech advocate. Um, and, you know, you, you go, well, what about violent speech? What about things like that? Well, I don't know. I, I You know, I think they, they'll probably have some rules against that. But overall, I think it is a big positive win for free speech. Free speech in America is a big thing, but this is a universal platform where even yeah. the bad guys have access to, to this. Yep, and that's that's a great point. Here's the thing, and there's a lot of people who are like, hateful speech or offensive speech is to be brought out in the sunlight because it dies. You know, it, it dries up, and it's when it's exposed for what it is that the the marketplace of ideas will weed it out. Mm. And, you know, and history actually shows that. It, and there's a balance. I understand the people's concern who are saying, what about extreme violence? But, but most of the people who are really freaking out, it's not, that's not what they're they, – it's what they want to call misinformation, which is another word for things that I don't agree with. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so uh, it, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. And, again, then there's the question, should any of us be on Twitter anyway, right, where there are a lot of words, sin abounds, the scripture mm-hmm. says, Right. I think it's. I, I think social media is one of those things where we we kind of have to be careful, but it's also an opportunity to speak to people. So I just think you pray for the Lord's wisdom and you you move forward. Uh, but this is an interesting development, and you know when you start thinking about about some of the things that are happening, you know you heard about CNN Plus, their yeah. streaming service that died what in a week or exactly. something painful. So it's like I I think 
people are tired of this one-sided suppression of opinion. It seems like all the fact checkers, all the people all seem to be very hard left. And I think a lot of people are saying, yeah, I, I don't need that. I, I don't need you being in the nanny state and telling me what you want me to think. Mm. You know, I can, I can read and I can process opinions and then I'll decide what I think. So it's an interesting, at the very least, it's a very interesting development. It'll be fun to watch what happens. Mm. We get to decide what we think on this. There's another body, and they get to do a lot of deciding for us, and that's the, the Supreme Court. Well, they do. You know? <laughs> and here's the headline on this one. The Supreme Court hears case on high school football coach fired for praying after games. Did you hear about yes. this? Yes, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Well, God bless him. He's uh, right in the middle of it. Uh, I mean, uh, went right to the 50-yard line and silently says a prayer, and then he loses his job. Is what oh, yeah. Happened. Well, this happened over a period of time. Sure. It, it happened over a period of time, and it went to multiple courts and back. The Supreme Court originally, because of the way it been procedural issues, refused the case, but they now have accepted it. So it's going to be an interesting – this could be, you know, you have a probably a conservative-leaning court, and, you know, traditionally in this type of thing, conservatives lean more favorably towards public prayer. Because uh, again, this was a voluntary thing. Nobody, no players were required. No coaches were required. It was after the game. It yeah. was after the game was done. And the coach, his perspective was, okay, my work was done. Now I made this available. At first, he started doing it by himself. Mm-hmm. And then some players would join him or people would join him. And before you know it, there was a good group of people out there. And it was going along fine until an opposing coach complained to the, the school, the coach's school's administration. They started the process, and now it's with the Supreme Court. Uh, here's a quote from Coach Joseph Kennedy, uh, who said right after he got through praying, uh, he says, I was fired for taking a knee in prayer by myself at the 50-yard line for 15 to 30 seconds after the high school football games. Unless the Supreme Court rules in my favor, teachers could be fired for praying over their lunch in the cafeteria if students can see them. That doesn't seem like the Constitution I fought for in, in the Marine Corps. Yeah. God bless them. Yeah. Well, and that's one of these things. It, it goes back to the free speech. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's this idea that, one, just take the faith aspect out of it. Of course, for us, the faith aspect is core, right? Sure. You know, um, but it's like, how much do you want government to control people's actions every moment of every day? I mean, it's after a football game. Right. You know, it's a school, and, and the game is over, and the guy goes and prays on the field. Well, he's on school property. Really? Is that really where we want to be? What about kids, teachers? They can only do certain kind of certain kind of behaviors. And yeah, I've said this maybe I, I don't know ten, fifteen times recently. Got to go back and read George Orwell's 1984 because you and you see the kind of control and you see and you go, oh, that seems so ridiculous. But that's kind of what you you see people pushing towards. And it's like I'm not one who would be in favor of a forced faith expression, right? right? I don't think I would not be in favor of the United States becoming an official Christian nation where people are legally required to be Christians. That violates the very concept of faith. That being said, I am an advocate for freedom. Mm-hmm. You know? And so just the simple ability for a group of people when they want to pray together or a person and a couple people to pray together. It, it's like that's so basic. Right. And what you realize is, well, every inch of ground you give, just understand the people who want to totally remove religious expression from the entire public sphere, they'll never stop. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be happy. If they win the schools, they're not going to stop there. They are going to go after businesses. Now it's, now it's illegal to, or, even, or maybe it's, it's more unethical 
would be the way it might be said, to say a prayer over your lunch at work or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I do think uh, th- this is an opportunity. I hope the Supreme Court sides with freedom in this. Well, we celebrate our freedom here in America still. In God we trust, it says. Uh, but we pray for our brothers and sisters who are suffering in the Ukraine. Yeah, no, uh, without a doubt. That's one of those things where we got, just because the, with news cycles they become, you know, we, we get numb to things. Yeah. I, I just, as you see those things, keep praying keep talking about that and uh you know the guest who we're going to talk to here in just a moment um he has a neat perspective because they have lots of relationships on the ground so uh why don't we take just some time out and let's listen to dirk smith of eastern european missions and uh he's going to talk to us about their effort to get bibles into as many hands they can in eastern europe well we are here with dirk smith the vice president of eastern european mission dirk thank you for being with us hey sean thank you for having me here good to be here I was so glad when Barron kind of brought this. He's the one who brought this to us. I hadn't been exposed to your ministry before, and as I've looked and read, it's a pretty interesting thing that you guys do and have done. Tell us a little bit about, for those who maybe haven't heard, tell us about Eastern European Mission. Yeah, unfortunately, we hear that a lot. We're kind of the best-kept secret, which that's not good. (laughs) Um, You don't want to be the best-kept secret when you're doing what we're doing. But yeah, this ministry started in 1961, seven couples who were in their 20s decided to uh, graduate. They graduated with their undergrad and they uh, were going to go and teach people about Jesus behind the Iron Curtain. And uh, so they went and enrolled in university in Vienna. That would give them visas they could get across borders and get into uh, get into communist country. Right. And only to find out they get behind the Iron Curtain and they find out this is an impossible task. We can't do this. How do you teach people about Jesus when they don't have a Bible in their own language? Right. So the guy who I really credit with being the entrepreneur for Jesus behind EEM is a guy by the name of Gwen Hensley. He uh, died early, died at 40, about 42 years of age of cancer. Really? But Gwen came back and said, we've got to change what we do. We've got to start providing Bibles in their language right. because – there's no way we're going to make disciples unless we do this. So that really turned the ministry on its head. And uh, so now today, uh, we publish, print, and distribute Bibles in Bibles and Bible-based materials in 32 different countries and in 23 different languages, all free of charge. So I kind of tell people we're the we're the wholesalers providing for all the retailers out there who are doing evangelistic work for free. Right. And uh, we want to help them do what they do and help them do it really well. Now, obviously with Eastern Europe being in the news right now with the war mm. in Russia and Ukraine, both those are both countries you distribute in. Ukraine is a part of your history. I'm looking on your website and it's interesting. 2008 uh, and of course 1989 is when the Berlin Wall fell. So you saw 50,000 right. Bibles distributed openly in Russia in 1989. You immediately yeah. began to take advantage of that. But yeah, yeah. Ukraine, one of the things that a lot of people may not know is there is such a huge move of God and and, and oh. just so many Christians in Ukraine because it works like this. How did you start in Ukraine or was that intentional? Well, I mean, it's all God. I mean, honestly, and that's that's the thing. We we don't pat ourselves on the back on anything. If if we've done anything right, it's we have listened to God and we've tried to move when he said go. Right. And we, we don't move too far. We So, yeah, Ukraine has been an interesting, the Ukrainian people are just beautiful people. They Mm. are just, I try not to play favorites in the 32 countries that we work in, but it's, it's hard. I mean, because the Ukrainian spirit and we're seeing it right now all over the news, they're, they're just a a magnificent people, but uh, our work in Russia, 
we really started moving in putting Bibles into public schools into Russia. There was a, a request back uh, a little pre me. I've been with the uh, with the ministry for ten years, just before I came on board, and right after that, Ukraine came and said, "Hey, we would like to have Bibles for our public schools." It was shutting down in Russia. There was some some issues going on in Russia and, and some political things happening. And so we looked at the people in Ukraine and said, okay, what, tell us about this. What are you, what are you doing? And they said, well, if you would come in and meet with us. And so we met with this organization of a group of, you know, you had Orthodox, you had Protestant, you had every stripe and shape of Christianity. And they said, listen, we realize if we want to change the face of our nation, we've got to do it with our children. Right. And we have to set aside all of our traditions and we have to just teach the Bible. And we wow. said, well, man, if that's what you want to do, we're your folks. Because right. they said, yeah, cause we can't get Bibles. So they they have, a, and they were they are teaching a, an elective called Christian Ethics. And it started a number really? of years ago. And it's an elective, but over 95% of the students take the class. Wow. So it, I don't know that too many of your listeners will, they might, they might know their, their, their Ukrainian history. But when Yanukovych was ousted mm-hmm. and Poroshenko was coming in as the president, Poroshenko reached out to his different ministers and he reached out to the minister of education as he did all of them and said, give me a report. I'm trying to get my arms around this nation that I'm now tasked with governing. So when he got the, the report from the minister of education, he noticed something and he called the minister of education in and he said, okay, explain this to me. I see in this oblast, or we would call it state, mm-hmm. in this oblast here, and in this one, and this one, and this one, I see test scores are up and discipline problems are down. Hmm. Is there a common denominator here? And the minister of education said, well, yeah, that's where we're teaching the Bible. Wow. Well, Poroshenko, I don't know that he's a believer. In fact, I, I think he probably isn't, but he's pragmatic. And he said, well, man, if that's what's doing it, we need to make that offering across the whole nation. So our partner who was really involved in this, I wasn't making a trip to Ukraine that, that year. And he reached out to me and he said, Dirk, when are you coming to Ukraine? And I said, I'm not, I'm going to be in Romania. He said, that's close enough. I need you to get a ticket and come 24 <laughs> hours. I need you in Kiev. And I said, man, what am I going to do for 24 hours in Kiev? And he tells me the story. He said, I need for you to go with me to meet with the minister of education for the nation of Ukraine. And, uh, you, you've got to tell them that you're behind us in this because they won't sign off on moving forward if, if we don't have the supply of Bibles. So we went in and just had an unbelievable meeting with the minister of education. And he in uh, he was speaking through a translator the whole time until right at the end. And he threw his very thick Ukrainian accent. He said, uh, so how can I help you? And I said, well, on occasion, we get down the lifeline on on projects and your regional minister of education will get cold feet and they kind of back off and we believe in creating economy. So when we're delivering Bibles in Ukraine, we're printing in Ukraine. We do that all over. And so I said, it it really hurts your printers because they're staffing up for these projects because they're big. And um, if you could help us out with that. And he said, Oh, he said, this is old school. He said, they are afraid. He's old KGB. He said, they are afraid they work with you. They lose job. So he looks, looks down at the end of the table at his assistant. And he said, put together a letter that says EEM are our partners and our friends and their books and Bibles are welcome in every state, every region in the, in the nation of Ukraine. Wow. He said, stamp it with my seal, get it across my desk and I'll sign it. And then he said, circulate it around the whole country. And he looks back at me and he says, will this help? Like, <laughs> yeah, that, uh, 
Definitely a step in the right direction, my <laughs> that, friend. That's awesome. And by the way, great accent. Really good. Hey, when, you, when you go there enough, <laughs> when you go there enough, you, as, as often as I do, you got to pick it up. According to your website, as of 2017, 50% of public schools in Ukraine have Bibles. Up to date, that's we're over three fourths. Over three fourths of the public schools in the nation of Ukraine have have Bibles in their in their public schools. Yeah. So, yeah, when you look at this war, Sean, and I've used this term, they don't understand this term, but we do. But Ukraine is really the Bible Belt of Europe. Right. That's where they are. That's what we keep hearing, and there's so many believers, and it's uh, we can see why the the, yeah. the president of Ukraine is saying. It's working to help our schools be better, so get Bibles in. And sitting here as an American, where we literally have administrators kind of getting rid of Bibles, and and yet discipline, moral problems, academic problems through the roof, it's like, why can't we see this? This is such an incredible revelation. Yeah, I mean, it's not rocket science. We as Americans, we we don't want to give credit to God, where it's obvious that it's God. And, And we're seeing a retraction from God. And we look around and we think, man, our culture's a mess. What is right. going on? Really? I mean, come on. Yeah. This, Makes this perfect is, sense. This is crazy. Yeah. So, so yeah, they are, they're an amazing people. And you're seeing the spirit of this country. You're seeing the spirit yeah. of the people of this nation right now. I mean, it's horrific what's going on. I mean, yeah, absolutely. How has that impacted? I mean, you guys obviously have relationships there. You have oh, connections. Yeah. I mean, what are you hearing? What's how is this impacting your mission? Well, it's breaking our hearts, number one. But um, the the bottom line is, man, we can't print fast enough because what's happening is after and sometimes even before, but but definitely right after humanitarian aid is provided, the next thing that the refugees are asking for is a Bible in their language. Oh my gosh! And there's a number of reasons behind that. As we're investigating and we're hearing from people, one is the believer has a Bible. They're traveling. And if you've seen any of the pictures, they're packed like sardines on these trains. And what would typically be a six to seven hour train ride is now 20 plus hours because of all the stops they've right. got to make and the checkpoints, et cetera. So they've got a long time packed in very close quarters with fellow Ukrainians, and they're preaching the gospel. Wow. They're sharing Jesus. And so, A, it's a Ukrainian who has their Bible, who gives their Bible to somebody who doesn't have one, and then they're asking for another one. Or it's someone who doesn't have a Bible, who's been watching this believer and, dare I say, handle this crisis with a peace that passes all understanding and saying, I want what they've got. So where do I get one of these Bibles? Mm. And I need to learn. I need to know about Jesus. So it it truly is. It's I'm watching this, this people group and uh, it's what St. Francis of Assisi gets credited with saying, you know, preach the gospel daily and when necessary, use words, right? They're, They're living it. It is. It's why they are showing us why, Early on, it was called the way. Right. It was a way of living. It was a way of life. So when people looked at us, it's why Jesus says, yeah. hey, you want to know if it's a good tree? Look at the fruit. It's been a real challenge. It's, it's been a r- real challenging thing for me. You know, introspectively, what's the fruit I'm putting off? How mm-hmm. am I doing? What kingdom am, am I really living in? Well, when we think about the word of God and how the scripture promises that it doesn't go out void, but it 
always bears fruit. And there's the, the simplicity Isaiah 55. of 55. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, this, just yeah. the simplicity of understanding that and then saying we want to get Bibles in people's hands. Now, the ministry is called Eastern European Mission. How can people find you? How can they get involved in helping you guys do what you do? Because this is right now, while this war is going on, we think about refugees. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it makes us say, hey, we want to ramp up and help you ramp up and provide that. But, but even beyond, this is an ongoing mission. Yeah. Yeah. They can go to our website. It's real easy. It's just eem.org. And on the other side, we're in the middle of a campaign that we call Bibles for Kids. And it's an annual campaign that we're running right now. We, we are striving to supply 800,000 children's Bibles in 19 different languages. Wow. Many of these are going to refugee children now. Mm. So, I mean, we, we have ramped up our Ukrainian printing. It's just, mm. and of course, the challenge is we can't really print in Ukraine right now. So we're printing in all different areas. We're really right. going because of the supply chain issues. We're going to wherever we can find paper. Right. Bottom line. But many of our trusted partners, printing partners are, are working with us. But yeah, EEM.org is, is where they can go and uh, get all the information they need right there. The ministry is Eastern European Missions. The website is EEM.org. And we've been talking with Dirk Smith. Thank you, Dirk. We appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you, Sean. God bless you too, brother. I didn't know that you went to Europe and had that same experience. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Lori and I went to uh, Hungary and Romania. The main target was Romania, but we stopped in Hungary and were there for a bit. Um, incredible ministry to the kids on the street there. Mm. We were work- We were there actually with the military community, and uh, and we were doing worship for a big group of kids yeah. that they were doing these projects all over Romania. And it was powerful, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it's one of those eye opening things mm-hmm. that God just used. Wonderful people. I had a vision while you guys were talking that what if these Russian soldiers come into the Ukraine and find the Bibles that maybe get left behind and then they find the word for the first yeah. time. That, yeah. Who knows what the Lord can yeah. do, Baron? That's the thing about the word of God is powerful. So I love this ministry. Glad we were able to have them on, uh, you know, and I just encourage you check them out there. EEM.org. Uh, that's Eastern European Missions, and um, our conversation with Dirk was great. Mm. That's a great wrap to the show, man. Very nice. Well, first, uh, invite our listeners to come to church on Sunday, Pastor John. Where would they go? Well, oh, River City. <laughs> River City Community Church, yes, right here on Lookout Road in Selma, Texas. Uh, we are at 930 and 1130 each Sunday morning. I'm in the midst of a series called The Unexpected Jesus, and uh, we Started on Easter morning and just been a great, great time. So we'd love to have you be a part of that. Hey, thanks for listening to us. May the Lord bless you. May you continue just to hear his voice as you seek him. God bless. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.